Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Lord, we're hungry. Lord, we're hungry for you. Lord, we're hungry for you. We're in need. We're in need, Lord, for more of you. Less of me, Jesus. More of you. Less of me and more of you, Jesus. Come change me, Lord. Come fill me, Lord. Come do your work in my life, Lord. Let me, let me, Lord, be be a carrier, Lord, of your presence. Lord, let me be a carrier, Lord, of revival, Lord, of awakening, Lord. Not just, not just an idea, but reality. Lord, the reality of heaven in my life. The reality of heaven, Lord, in my life. really, I really think, you know, I'm really not, I don't just think, I really believe that we're, we, we are on the, on the verge, on the precipice of something new, and uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to what God has for our church, but more than what he's going to do, I'm enjoying what he's already doing, what's happening, what's new, what's, what's taking place now, you know, we've, Already, it's you know already Wednesday. It's you know just just Wednesday, but already I've heard so many testimonies this week of things that God did did on Sunday and has been doing in people's lives since Sunday. It was like something. It was like somebody just came and turned the light switch on uh, for folks, and it's awesome. It's awesome. It's what we want. It's what we need, and. Uh, it's incredible. You know, I, we had someone was sharing with me today this, uh, that they were hearing reports from someone else that said, I've changed more in the past six months in my life than I have my entire life as a Christian. More has happened in my life in the past six months. And, um, you know, the, the things on Sunday that people were believing for, we had, um, God's really been restoring families seen a lot of that and someone uh, on Sunday came down for prayer one of the altar we had multiple altar calls and one of them at some point they came down front and uh, went home and uh, a family situation that needed to be restored restored went home got a phone call immediately restoration that's awesome it's the effect. That's the effect of the presence of God. When you begin to saturate, give up. What have we been saying? Yield. <laughs> yield. If you'll just yield. You're not in control anyway. If you'll just yield to the presence of God in your life, those, those situations begin to change. And you find yourself not even having to make it happen. It just happens. As you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, David said, He will give you the desires of your heart. If you just begin to delight yourself in the Lord, just rejoice in Him. Have fun. Christianity is not meant to be, you are not, speaking to somebody tonight, you are not meant to be a religious stick in the mud. (laughs) 
And so I went back and I pulled, a, pulled an old book of mine. Uh, Jonathan Edwards had written a sermon after, during the Great Awakening, actually it was towards the end of the Great Awakening. And uh, he, the, the sermon was published in 1741, and it's called The Distinguishing Marks of a Work of the Spirit of God. It's a long title, The Distinguishing Marks of a Work of the Spirit of God, and it was published in 1741. I think this monitor can go away because I feel hot. Um, anyway, um, you can just pause on that for a second. Thanks. They're all excited and ready to roll up there. But uh, I just want to explain a little bit this message and why I pulled it. Uh, but anyway, so I went and pulled this book because there's a book by R.C. Sproul called uh, He Took the Sermon, uh, The Distinguishing Marks from Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was the pastor in Northampton, Massachusetts during the Great Awakening. And so, you know, here's, here's a guy that, uh, you know, how many of you know the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Anger God, have heard of it? Okay, this is the guy that preached that message. Uh, and, and they said that as he was preaching, Jonathan Edwards is, uh, would read his messages. He wouldn't preach them. He would read as a manuscript his messages. And he, they said that he was very mo uh, monotone, that he was, that wasn't a real fiery preacher, but his sermons were packed with so much truth that people would squeal and shriek as he was preaching and, and respond, you know, and begin to manifest at the reality of the truth of what he was, of what he was sharing. And uh, Sinners in the Hands of the Angry God was one of those, you know. Uh, the, the people said, the reports are that while he was preaching that message, people literally felt the floor underneath them come open and the flames of hell at their feet. So you can almost imagine. So anyway, this is, this is the guy that preached those messages and, and, and was dealing with the, all of the various manifestations that were taking place during the Great Awakening. And so uh, I went back and I pulled... And I, I don't know that I'm going to preach real long on this, but I went, I went through and, and pulled out one of these quotes that I thought was applicable. As, you, as we begin to see God move in our church, uh, and for many people, some of the things that are taking place are absolutely new. And uh, it's, it's different. And it's all the more different and challenging when, when it seems... Uh, extravagant. But have you many know God is extravagant. Everything that God does is very extravagant. And He's very detailed. He's very creative. And so, uh, you know, I don't have a problem when God decides to do something new and fresh. Uh, I always, though, go back to Scripture. What does Scripture say about what's happening? And, and can I find, does it line up with Scripture? And so, um, this is one of the quotes from the message of Jonathan Edwards. And I like to uh, share. I feel that Wednesday nights is a great opportunity to share uh, some of what's happening and explain some of the things that take place in our services. If you remember, when we first got here, uh, Heather did a series on the Holy Spirit and talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit for three or four months. And so Wednesday nights really becomes an opportunity for me to share with you and teach and uh, enable you to help answer the questions that may come as a result of things that are happening. So anyway, this is what Jonathan Edwards says. It says, uh, the work is carried on in an unusual and extraordinary way Re regarding a, the spiritual work of God of, or a, a revival is what he's addressing here, a great awakening. He says, the work is carried on in an unusual and extraordinary way provided the variety of difference may still be understood within the limits of scripture rules. Anyway, you know, in other words, that God sometimes does things that are extraordinary, but Scripture still gives guidance for those things. What the church is accustomed to is not a rule by which we are to judge. I love that. 
what we're used to is not the rule with which we judge whether or not something is of God or not. So when you begin to see the, the manifestations and God begins to move and people respond to the presence of God, what you're accustomed to or used to or what you're comfortable with does not become the ruler with which you judge what's taking place. We have to remember that we have to go back to Scripture. What happened in Scripture? You know, people talk about falling. Well, that's not in the Bible. Oh, really? I did a whole series when we first got here on holy rolling and loving it. If you don't remember that or didn't hear it, you need to go listen to the podcast. It's on there. Uh, I feel like I'm feeding back really bad. But uh, anyway, there's, um, there's, I spent four weeks explaining the holy rolling and loving, the signs of uh, Pentecostal, biblical and historical signs of Pentecostal move of God. And uh, we went through Scripture and took a look at what, what was happening in Scripture and as it aligned with historical things. So we can't begin to make decisions based on um, our, what we're used to. That makes sense? There may be new and extraordinary, extraordinary works of God. He has previously acted in an obviously unusual manner. He has brought to pass new things, strange works, and has worked in such a way as to surprise both men and angels. Uh, if you just go, go through and read the book of Ezekiel, <laughs> you know, and talk about how God does weird things, you know. So we, we don't just toss the baby out with the bathwater. And God has done thus in times past, so we have no reason to think, but that He will still do it now. The prophecies of Scripture give us reason to think that God has things to accomplish that have never yet been seen. The Holy Spirit is sovereign in His operation. We know that He uses a great variety. We cannot tell how great a variety He must use or He may use within the boundary of the rules He Himself has fixed. We ought not to limit God where He Himself has not limited Himself. I think that's a great quote uh, on things uh, regarding supernatural ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse, I'll start in verse 7, just read this as we're talking about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and give you scripture for this. Uh, verse 7 says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the ages of our, for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so we know immediately Paul says here, look, God does new things. And then he goes on to say, as it is written, eye has not seen, ear heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And so right here, Paul says God does new things in our midst. And so we cannot limit God in a way that he doesn't even limit himself. And so how, what's, what's the guiding rule? Um, you know, and I'm just spontaneously doing some teaching here. Um, but uh, I, think it's worth, I think it's worth exploring. And I think it's worth giving you scripture and resources uh, for what the Word of God says about supernatural ministry and revival. Uh, because this, you know, this is just the beginning. Yeah, I hope so too. This is just the beginning. You know, we've had we've had demons manifest in service during the preaching. We've had we've had you know altar calls, supernatural altar calls. People, you know, falling, rolling, all you know, running, dancing, jumping, you know, all these things. Uh, and it's only the beginning. <laughs> it's only the beginning. And uh, as God continues to move and things begin to happen, what is our guidepost to say? This is the limit, you know, what, you know, and sometimes I think, 
that we, we are really good at, as Christians, especially the, the religious Christians, are really good at setting limits uh, for what God, and, God can and cannot do. We get, we oftentimes, you know, people start quoting, well, what about 1 Corinthians, and what about this, and what about this, and, and we start quoting scriptures that we don't really even understand, <laughs> and we start, we start setting parameters uh, for God that He Himself doesn't set, and we get so caught up in the mechanics that we miss the Spirit's movement in all of it. We miss what God's doing in all of it because we're so wrapped up in the mechanics of it all. Well, does God follow this rule and that rule and that rule? And if it doesn't do this and this and this, then it must not be God. Well, I don't think God asked for your opinion on how He can move in people's lives, you know? So anyway, I'm just saying. Just food for thought. First John chapter 4. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'll, I'll give you this guidepost. First John chapter 4, this is, this is our guidepost. How do we know? John says here, you need to test the spirits, and this is how you know whether or not it's God or not. First John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the, into the world. Now, immediately, the religious mind says, my job is to be a spirit tester. <laughs> Everything I, you know, it, really, that's, you know, I, I've been in ministry long enough to know that most, most Christians, if you've been around the church long enough, you know somebody who feels called to spirit testing. Their job is to be the fruit judge and, you know, go around and judge everybody's fruit, tell, tell everybody where they're off and where they're missing it. And that's, John is not setting a precedent here that that's your calling. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You are not called as a, as a fruit tester. Actually, John, John qualifies this statement as you go further on. He says, uh, verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. So he gives us indicator here. He doesn't spend time saying what's false. He immediately begins to identify what's real. And so that tells me as a believer, our job is not to go around trying to figure out everything that's false out there. It tells me I need to spend my time and my attention and my energy to know and understand the reality of God. To understand what Scripture says, to understand uh, who Jesus is in this book and the ministry of Jesus, what is described here in the Gospels, what's described here in the New Testament, I need to stick my nose in the Pauline epistles and begin to digest and devour and meditate everything that's in here and so I can understand what's real. Not so that I can understand the fake and the phony. I heard it said a long time ago that how, does a, how do the bankers know what's a real dollar bill from the fake dollar bill? Well, they spend all their time dealing with the real that when a fake one comes through, they know the difference. And so the, you know, that's true for us as believers, that if we spend our time with Christ and we walk with Him and we walk in the Spirit, then we don't need someone to always say, that's right or that's wrong, that's right or that's wrong. We, just, we know because we're walking with God and we have the Word in us. And we, you know, we've had times where people have said, you know, not long after we got here, we had a circumstance where someone thought, some people thought someone got out of hand and was trying, they were trying to get people up dancing and were running and dancing around the church trying to get people to dance with them and all that. And uh, someone said, well, pastor, you should have stopped them. And my response was, hey, if you can get them up dancing, praise the Lord. <laughs> Knock yourself out, honey. Have fun. <laughs> if it's, you know, 
if I start going around shutting everything down that I think is not God, nobody's going to respond at all. Everybody's going to be afraid of the pastor who's got his thumb on everybody. So to me, thank you, Jesus, somebody's worshiping the Lord. If they get too far out of hand, that's why we have Bob and our ushers. <laughs> Bob's on the front row. I'll pick on Bob. He's the first usher I see. That's why the ushers are here. They can quietly address the person. If it needs to be addressed from the pulpit, we had a, there was a time frame. You know, I'm just thinking back over the past seven, eight months. There was a time frame. People were falling out. We had people picking them up off the floor. And I'd, I'd be standing up from the pulpit saying, leave them on the floor. And then there was a couple of people who wanted to go pick them up off the floor. And uh, so we addressed it in staff meetings. We addressed it privately and, and made it clear privately. We don't move people. We allow God to touch them and move on them. And, uh, you know, someone said, well, why don't you address it publicly? Why don't you just call? And, and it got to the point. I said, if it keeps happening, I'll address it. But we've addressed it privately. We don't want to embarrass the people that are involved with that. We love them. They're, they're a valuable part of our church. But they're going to get it. At some point, it'll click and they'll get it. And we've, we've saved a brother or sister that was involved with that. We haven't offended them or run them off. And they're still part of our church. And people are being left alone on the floor. And we haven't had that problem. Amen? So it's just training. It's teaching. It's, it's getting in the Word. It's understanding and being led, being, being taught, being led by your pastoral leadership, trusting us. You know, Heather said on Sunday, um, and I'll, I'll reiterate this because I think it's valuable and I think it was worth I think it was worth saying. I think it's worth reiterating. I'm going to jump back to 1 John 4 here in a second. But, um, you know, when God starts to move in a church, issues begin to bubble. Yeah. When God starts moving on you, when you, how many of you know when you turn the fire up, Come on now. things start to surface? And, uh, you know, that's, that's always a great sign, too, of, of revival when revival is present because yeah. the, the issues start surfacing. And uh, issues don't, you know, issues don't scare me. People gossiping, talking, and complaining, all those things, that doesn't bother me. You know, I, I might have my moment of flesh response because I'm human, and I just want to, you know, I want to punch them. Man, I just want to punch them. <laughs> Jesus, just let me have five-fold ministry one time, you know, just one time, you know. And, and then I settle myself down and realize... I realize that's not the pastoral loving thing to do. And, uh, you know, we move on. So, so that's all part of revival. The fire gets turned up. God begins to deal with the issues that are, that, you know, lie dormant within a church. And things have, have, can we just be real and be honest, things have been laying dormant for a while. <laughs> and so when the fire gets cranked up in a church, those things surface and we begin to deal with, God begins to deal with, we don't. I don't have to, God does. <laughs> My focus then becomes as a pastor, we've got to stay on course. When those issues, when people begin to bubble, when, you know, we had, I, I know everybody knows this, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything offensive, when people begin to post weird things on Facebook and say things negative about the church and, and things begin to happen and things bubble. I had someone tell me this week, oh yeah, you know, they, they talk about you at this church and <laughs> like, praise the Lord, they're talking about us. <laughs> I'm like, I've been here eight months and we're known all around town as the, that holy rolling church, you know, they, that young guy from the South. Thank you, Lord. That doesn't bother me. 
That doesn't bother me. My, when those things happen, my job is to keep our focus on what God has set the course for us. Let's keep running. I, do we love those people? Do we try to reach out? Absolutely. You don't see, as a congregation, I promise you, you don't see all the many avenues and the ways that we reach out to the people who, who respond with hurt and offense. We, we do our best to reach out and love on them in many different avenues, many different ways. And, and most of the people in the church would have no idea the, the things that come through. I mean, I was having a board meeting two weeks ago. We're sitting, that one of our board members came to the board meeting, one of our executive meetings, and came in and said, I've gotten two phone calls this week, and while we were sitting at the meeting, they got a third. <laughs> Saying, people complain it's too loud, the music's too loud, the flags are gone, the whatever, the whatever, the whatever. <laughs> go on, go down the list. I mean, I've heard it. I've got a list. It's, you know, Whatever. Jesus, what are you saying over our church? Jesus, what are you saying? What are you speaking over our church? What are you doing in our church? I didn't want to know that. What are you saying? What are you doing in our church? And we just keep moving forward. All of those things can't sidetrack us. They can't get us distracted. we got to keep running the course. God's pouring out His Spirit. Let's keep running. Let's keep moving forward. Let's don't, let's don't get sidetracked in all of, the, all of the nonsense, all of the distractions. All that is is distractions. Yeah. It's just distractions. What happened when Jesus went out in Luke chapter 4? He went out into the wilderness, led by the Spirit, and the enemy came and began to tempt. When you, when you go out and you begin to take, uh, take the power of the Word of God out into the wilderness, the enemy is going to come. The enemy is going to come, and he's going to entice you. He's going to entice you with power. He's going to entice you uh, with all of the things, all of the things that would entice you to give up and to turn the other way. But as you begin to walk and you begin to move forward in Christ, you begin to run the race. You stay walking in the Spirit, speaking the Word, keep moving forward. God's going to do something awesome, and uh, that's what we want. So First John 4, it says, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, this is here's your... Here's your uh, marker. How do you know? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. It's right there. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. There's your delineation. Well, I don't agree with how they do that. I don't... Listen, there are, there are, there are ministries that, that I, I love and support, but I don't agree 100% with what they do. There are, there, are, there are people on our staff that I love and support that I don't agree with 100% what they do. But that doesn't mean that it's not of God. It doesn't mean that they're in the wrong. It might mean that I might be wrong. <laughs> right? It, it might mean that I might be missing something. And so I don't sit as the spiritual fruit tester and say, well, brother, what's in the book? What's in the scripture? What's in, the, what's in the Word? Now, does that mean that, you know, and there, if, if you come to me and tell me that God's told me to go sit on somebody's grave and get their mantle, that's one of the big things out there right now, is you're going to go, you're going to lay on somebody's grave and get their mantle by laying on their grave. If you come tell me that, I'm going to say, you need to get in your book. You need to get in your Bible. You may, you may proclaim Jesus and love Jesus with all your heart, but is it in the book? Is, can we back it up in Scripture? Y'all understand what I'm saying? All right. 
And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming. So we know that the spirit, those spirits that do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh are of the Antichrist, or Antichrist spirit. So you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. They're of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. So that tells me right there that, that people, and, and Paul reiterates this in 1 Corinthians 2, where we were just reading, that people who are of the world cannot understand spiritual things. And when they speak gossip or hurtful things against the church, or, or they begin to lash out in judgment, who listens? The world. That's not me. That means I ain't listening. They're speaking against the body of Christ. They're speaking against our pastor. They're speaking against, they're speaking against you. Listen, if someone starts speaking against me, they're speaking against you. If someone speaks against our church, they're speaking against you. We are the church, not a building. We are the church. We're a body. And so if, they're, if they do that, that, the Bible makes it very clear right here. They're, they're speaking worldly things. It's worldly. And the people that listen and give ear to that are worldly people. Yuck. Yeah. I'm, am I preaching to anybody tonight? <laughs> Verse 6 says, We are of God. He knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved. Now, this is a very popular passage of Scripture that we, you know, it's a great passage of Scripture, but a lot of times we disconnect it from what John was teaching here and forget that there's more to this. He says, Beloved, let us love one another for the love, for love is of God and everyone who, who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. So John connects the love of God with understanding the real from the fake. So not only is there evidence of, not only should there be evidence of uh, testifying of Jesus and who He is, but there is evidence by love. Yeah. If you are, you know, that's a, that's a great way to always tell, you know, uh, one of the things that Scripture gives us guidelines in is that prophetic words, gifts of the Spirit are to encourage, they're to comfort, and they're to exhort. Well, how do you, how can you tell uh, just another step further, you can use this scripture to, to summarize that. How can you tell what someone's saying is, is it truly of God? Well, is it being motivated out of love? Is there, is there a nature of love in what's being said, or is it ju judgmental and condemning? Now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not going to convict us. It doesn't mean that it's not going to challenge us. The Word of God still convicts. It's still, we saw that Sunday morning. There was, a, there was a Word that came forth, and it was convicting. And it was convicting, and there was an altar call given, and many people came and responded to that altar call. So the Word of God can be convicting, but it's not judging. It's not judgmental of us. It's not, it's not condemning us. There's, if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. Right. So, so is there love? Is it, is it coded and surrounded in? Is, it, is the nature of what's being said motivated by love? The spiritual gifts. If you take a look at the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians... 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. It is sandwiched right between two chapters talking about the spiritual gifts. The whole point, we, you know, we read 1 Corinthians 13 a lot in weddings and, you know, how it's all great and lovely, you know, it's, and it is, it's good. But the, the intent of that was written in the context of the operation of spiritual gifts. That it's all great to have spiritual gifts, but you, if you have not love, you're just clanging cymbals. So how, that, that is, for us, a, a great detection of knowing, 
Is this of God? Is it not of God? Is there love in the context of what's being said? I hope this is helping you all tonight. So I think it's good. I think it's good to teach this so people can hear this and, and you can respond to questions that people have because there's going to be questions. Yeah. You know, there's going to be questions. And, and the, the more that the presence of God intensifies and is, the more that happens, uh, like I said, this is only the beginning. The more, the more that begins to transpire, the more that happens, and, and the more that you begin to see God move on people and change people, things bubble out. We've got to have a, a body of leaders who can, who can respond to and disciple people through these things. Uh, we were talking about this in, in the staff meeting on Monday, that uh, a lot of times, you know, people respond immediately. You have people that are jumping in the river, as we say. They're jumping in the river of the Holy Spirit immediately. And then there's others who stand along the side of the banks, and it's a slippery slope, and they just gradually slide on in, you know? And uh, it's awesome. Either way, just get in the river, you know? Just get in. It's, it's quicker to jump in, but, you know, if you want to slide in, you can get muddy and slide in. That's fine. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we... You know, so you have you have both sides of that, and so the people who are standing on the banks are are beginning to feel the effects of the Holy Spirit in their life. They're beginning to have the the change and the transformation that's happening. There be the beginnings of awakening are transpiring, and it's awesome. But they're still in their natural mind. They're not in over their head. They're not swimming in the river, as Ezekiel describes. They're not in over their heads. They're just ankle deep. And so they're still perceiving things with their natural mind. They're still seeing the the stage dive. They're still seeing people falling. They're still seeing the rolling. They're still seeing the running. And so in their natural mind, they're trying to figure that out. Well, you're not going to figure that out with your natural mind. (laughs) It's not going to happen. And so we have to be prepared to help walk people through and say, this is God touching them, changing them. Well, they're still, they still get off the floor. I've had people say, well, they're still getting off the floor cursing. Well, they may, not, they may be using one less curse word that week. It's, it's a step in the right direction. Who are you to judge? <laughs> Who are you to sit there and say, oh, you said this word, you said this word, you did this, you did this. Let God deal with that. All I know is in that moment on the floor, something's happening. Yeah. And over time, that, that piece of coal is going to turn to a pearl if you just give it time to just sit and soak in the presence of God. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's, let's go on. Uh, Lord, I wasn't planning on taking this much time. <laughs> uh, is it already 8.30? Oh, my goodness. Now let me wrap this up then. I, I could go all, y'all are, y'all are hungry and I could just do this all night. This is awesome. Um, let's go. Grace, why don't you all come on back up? Uh, verse 10 of chapter 4 says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And, uh, you know, that's really, that is our heart. You know, we... People say all sorts of things, and, you know, we laugh, and, and we joke, and we have, we have a good time. Heather and I, if you don't know us yet, we have a good time. We love God. We love church, and we love people. We're, we're not religious stick in the muds. We're not. We want to see the hurting and the broken restored. You know, that's, we're, we are doing our best to get the Dream Center up and running. We've got, we're, you know, we're in the process of doing all that. The food pantry, the, the Haven of Rest guys have been here 
a couple of times already. They've been, they, today they cleaned these doors, all of the doors here. They've been cleaning and doing all sorts of stuff. And we can bring them in and pay them and give them, you know, that's awesome. You know, it's these guys who are homeless, who don't have a job, who need skills. We can bring them in. We have a huge facility that can, hey, you can learn how to clean. We will teach you how to clean. Pastor Zach will teach you how to clean. I've been teaching our guys how to deep clean those bathrooms. So, you know, all of those things. You're going to learn, you know, and we, we love it. Yes, Pastor Zach cleans bathrooms. <laughs> I don't have, it's been a long time, but I don't have a problem cleaning bathrooms. We want to see the, the hurting and the broken. We're called to love the unlovely. What is, our, what, is our, what is our vision? What is our vision? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Love. You shall be my witnesses. You shall be my martyrs. It's the word in Greek. You'll be my martyr. <laughs> you will overflow with love to such a degree that they will hate you what it is. You will overflow with the truth of the gospel and the love of God so much that they will hate you for it and kill you for it. That's what we're called to. That's challenging. Lord, where's my, am, I, am I loving people to the extent that they hate me for it? Am I, am I moving in, in, the, in your presence and the power of God to such a way that it challenges people? You know, really. It's a great, great place to examine. And we took our staff on the, you can stand with me. You know, we took our staff on the retreat and it was awesome. You know, they got totally annihilated. It's awesome. And, you know, and it's awesome to see God transform them. But what's really awesome about it is that it's no longer, it's not just, it's not about us. It's not about us carrying revival. It was about everybody carrying revival. It's about everybody carrying it. That's what, that's what affects a region. That's what changes a region and a country, is everybody carrying it personally. And that's what's happening, is they're, they're getting transformed. They're being transformed. They had a deposit made. They're being transformed. And, and y'all, people are catching it and being transformed. Mandy was awesome. I, I pick up Mandy Sunday morning, I to, totally annihilated. That was probably the first time that that's ever happened. And, you know, that's awesome. And all we, we see the outward. You know, I said that in service. We see the outward and we think, oh, wow, she's just carrying on over there laughing, you know, hysterically. Can't she just get control of herself? That's the problem. Mandy's been in too much control for way too long. <laughs> and she's being liberated. She's being li That's not a bad thing. I don't say that out of judgment. That's true. She would tell you the same. <laughs> and so she's getting liberated from that. That's awesome. That's what we want. That's what we want. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Lord, I believe that we're just at the beginning. This is only the beginning of what you have planned and what you have in store. Lord, we ask you to come and to just increase. Lord, increase in each of our lives that mantle for revival. Lord, that each of us would carry. Lord, each, each person that is intricately involved in our church would 
begin to carry that DNA of, of, of revival, of awakening. Lord, personally, it's not just what we hear about or, or witness or watch, but it's personal, that we carry it, that it flows out of us, that we become witnesses, that we become the overflow of that in our lives. Lord, help us. Help us to be people of love. Help us to be people that proclaim the ministry of Christ. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just take the hand of somebody next to you tonight? We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. for restoring. Thank you, Lord, for impartation tonight in this room. Lord, that you would begin to revive, refresh, renew. Lord, if it's not become personal for anybody in this, any person in this room tonight, Lord, that it, that revival, that this awakening that's beginning to transpire, Lord, would, would become real, would become personal for them. Lord, that they would begin to walk They'd begin to walk in a new level of spiritual authority, Lord, recognizing who they are in Christ, recognizing, Father, your presence on their life, recognizing intimacy with you again, Lord, that there would be a, an awakening, an alertness, an awareness, Father, of this intimacy with you and, the, and, a, and a hunger for your word and a passion for your presence, Lord, begin to stir up. God, in our church, a hunger for the Word of God a, and, a, and a revelation of the Word. Not, Lord, not just a head knowledge only, but revelation, a, a changing understanding, an experiential understanding of the Word. Lord, a revelation, experience, experience, Lord, and the Word kissing. Lord, thank you, Spirit of truth, meeting and kissing, Lord, in, in our church. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, increase your work in our church. Let it, let it expand. Let it expand. Let it increase. Lord, give us workers. Send forth laborers. Send forth laborers and workers and, and teachers. Lord, teachers and volunteers. Lord, office workers and hospital visits and care group leaders. Father, ministry leaders. Lord, raise up. Speak to people about where they need to be involved. Care groups and ministry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, that we'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover, see them healed. Lord, that we'll, that we'll operate in Matthew 10, 7, 8. Freely we've received, freely give. That we'll cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.